We are in a series on uh, really demonstrating, uh, save to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, church, I want us to, uh, to know that your life and my life are demonstrations of God's kingdom manifesting. And uh, there's a great scripture in Romans 8. It says, for creation was, it waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. At the end of the message, I'm going to just share some of the things that uh, happened to Betty and I when we were away on our trip. Because I want you to know each and every one of you here represents the kingdom of God. And if you're open to what the Holy Spirit will lead you into, God will use you to demonstrate the kingdom of God in various and unique ways that are pretty awesome and spectacular. And more and more in our world today, church, I want you to understand the world needs the kingdom of God to be demonstrated. The world is desperate for that church to be finished. The world needs to see the Father's house and the people of the Father's house demonstrating the kingdom. I want to encourage you, uh, church family, for those of you to come to Forest Memorial on Tuesday and, uh, you know, just to, to be present for Sue and the family and, uh, you know, to celebrate Forest life. And that's important. 10.30 at the Baptist Church. Thank God for the Baptist Church uh, loaning us their building. It, the kingdom of God is awesome. And uh, we want to just celebrate together with the family and remember Forest life. So let's do that. But today we're going to talk about being led like Elijah. You see, Elijah demonstrated the kingdom of God in his life. And the Bible actually says this, that Elijah was a man just like you and I. He was a man just like you and I. And God demonstrated his kingdom through his life. So we're going to look at his life and see how we can demonstrate the kingdom of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that the sun rises every day. Thank you, Lord, that the earth stays on its axes. Thank you, God, for your provision, for your grace, for your love. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we go through trials and triumphs and things in our life, but you remain the one constant, the one sure thing. So help us to anchor ourselves to you and demonstrate the kingdom of God in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Elijah was a man just like us, and he took the lead by following God's word. If you don't know the story of Elijah, I'm going to just skim a rock across it, and you can find this in 1 Samuel 16, 17, and 18. I'm not going to read all those chapters, but uh, this is basically the story of Elijah. And uh, I want you to understand, first of all, this guy demonstrated the kingdom of God. At the word of the Lord, he was sustained and sustained others in a famine. So Elijah's in a culture that's basically corrupt. There's Baal worshiping happening. And, and Elijah, based on the word of the Lord, says, it will not rain for three years. And he basically pronounces this judgment in this culture. And God begins to, to cause a, a, just this great drought to come and creates a famine. And I know that sounds horrible, but it was to turn people's hearts back to God. And I want you to understand that. So he's... <laughs> He's, out, he's laying down by a brook and God begins to feed him uh, day and night. A bird, a raven of all things, delivers meat and bread 
and drops it at his head. Every day he wakes up, there's a piece of bread and meat. He has to cook it. At night, the same thing happens. Then all of a sudden, the, the, the brook dries up, and God says, I want you to go to a, uh, a widow's house, and she's going to feed you. So I want you to understand, this is kind of spectacular. He takes food from a starving widow. He goes to this widow's house, and he says, you know, the Lord sent me here. I'm supposed to stay with you. And uh, she says, I have enough, uh, you know, a flour and oil to make bread for my, my son and myself, and then we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And he says, okay, I want you to make a loaf for me first. And incredibly, she agrees. She makes a loaf of bread for this guy, and uh, he, he's staying in her house and uh, in the upper room. And uh, what's incredible is her oil and her flour never runs out. It never runs out. She, she uses it all to make it for this man of God. I mean, can you imagine today, if that was today, like with social media? Pastor takes last meal from dying widow's family. This would be spun in a whole new direction. It would not be pleasant. But anyway, he sustains this family, and he sustained, he's sustained by God based on the word of the Lord, which is pretty spectacular. And... Uh, and this is what, of course, in First Kings, it said, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow to feed you there. Of course. But, you know, the Bible says that you and I are men and women like Elijah. And at the word of the Lord, he challenged a king and a culture. So at the word of the Lord, God said, you know, I want you to do this. And again, I told you, he commanded it not to rain for three years. I want you to understand something, church. Prayer shifts things. I'm telling you, stuff is shifting because of prayer. Because of our fasting and prayer on Tuesdays, stuff is shifting. Uh, One of the things that happened when we were away, uh, my cousin's daughter was in a car accident two years ago. Severe car accident. Her life was on basically about three years ago, sorry. And uh, she was in very bad shape. And... I remember my wife and I, my, our family remembers when we got the phone call and praying, and I have never in my life, and Betty and I have talked about this lots, where the Lord would not let us cease praying because we knew that her eternity hung in the balance. I, I, I've had that happen a few times, but this was one of the most profound where you knew that as you were praying, God was saving this, this girl. And what was amazing was to see her and, and unbelievably so, last year she got in another car accident where another person was killed and again she was on life support and God sustained her again. And we were praying. I want you to know prayer changes things. But she was at this wedding standing and walking and, uh, you know, repaired. Incredibly, God can do things through prayer. Powerful, you guys. I want you to know that stuff is changing in our culture right now because of prayer. And, uh, you know, education changes uh, are happening because of prayer. Uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a mindset and a push toward a certain direction. And if we don't stand and represent the kingdom of God in this hour, the one thing that we can do is pray. We can pray. You know, more important than your Facebook posts are your prayers. They, they are. And you need to understand that. More powerful than our Instagram is our prayers. 
And so we need to be people that are praying in this hour, like, like Elijah. We can do that. We can change a culture right now. We can challenge a culture. You know, and then he challenges. It's interesting because Elijah shows up. And uh, so he does this, and he calls the prophets of Baal, and you can read about this. And there's 850 of them, and he gets them together, and he says, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a challenge to see who God is. And he calls the prophets of Baal, and they set up an altar, and they start crying out for God, the fire to fall and consume the sacrifice. Now, why is that interesting? Because Baal is the god of fertility and the god of weather. So basically, if anybody should have been able to cause fire to fall or rain to come, are you with me? It should have been Baal. But here's Elijah by himself, and you know the story. He sets up the altar. He douses it with water, not once, not twice, but three times, and then God literally consumes the sacrifice. I don't know how. A bolt of lightning, fire, flames. It was unbelievable. And all the prophets of Baal are gathered up and, and taken out, and basically God turns things in a moment. In a moment, God can turn a culture. You know, I, I, I honestly, I can't say that I, I, I fully believed that until this last few years. Now, I'm going to make a statement. Please do not throw eggs at me. Or I'm, this is not even a political statement. But I'm going to tell you something. You've seen a miracle happen in the last few years in Donald Trump being elected as the president of the United States. That should never have happened. <laughs> Do you understand that? Like that was impossible. Literally 0% of people predicted that. Well, about 1% actually predicted it. But in every way, you see the nation of, of the United States, people were crying out to God for righteousness, crying out to God to change their land. Their nation was heading in a direction of absolute apostasy. And God took and changed something and did something so miraculous and you might say, well, that's crazy. But the Bible's very clear, guys. God's a, God can appoint leaders and he can take other leaders out. So if you don't think that God appointed that man to be in that position, you're wrong. For good or bad, God did it. I'm telling you the power of prayer, we can change our nation. We can change our nation, nation church. And we're in a time when, and Elijah sits there, and it's interesting because he says to the people who are gathered around, all the people of Israel, he says to them, he says, guys, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And you know what they did? Nothing. They just stared at him. They said, well, you prove God's real. Or we'll follow, keep following Baal. We're in that time in our season, in our culture right now, guys. And in so many ways, right now God is saying, who are you, choose whom you're going to serve, church. That's what's happening right now in the areas of identity, in the areas of morality, in the areas of eternity. Is God right or not? And, and right now the church is being called, the church is being called in this hour to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to follow God. I'm going to choose to follow God's ways even if the whole world turns away from God. That's basically what he was facing. Aren't you glad that Elijah is a man just like you and I? You see, there's a drought in the world today, church. There's a drought in the world. And this is what it says in Amos 8.11. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine for food 
or for thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. A famine hearing the word of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. If, uh, you know, we as a church, one of the things that we, you know, what we're, the only thing that we're, I'm commanded to do, uh, really, as a pastor, is to, that you come every Sunday and that you hear the word of God. Not a word that, that, you know, bends to the world and says, well, the world's going this way, we better bend that way. The world's going this way, we better bend that way. No, the word of the Lord says, this is what God is saying, go this way. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm really going to challenge you, you know. If you're not hearing the word of God here on Sundays, then you probably should find a new church. But if you're hearing the word of the Lord, then you should be here. Amen? You should be here. You should be praying, you should be supporting, you should be saying, you know what, we need to hear the word of God because there's a famine today. There's a famine for the word of the Lord. And so we say, God, help us to preach the word with authority, with power, with accuracy, with anointing, with grace, Lord God. And this is why to me church is so attendance, so church attendance is so important. Now I understand people are on vacation. My wife and I just got back. I understand there's time to go away. But you know what I don't understand? I'm going to challenge the church right now. I do not understand when people are at home and they don't come to church. To me, I can't handle missing church. I need to be together with the body of Christ. There's something that happens. It's not the same as watching it as online. It's not the same as when you are gathered together, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is here, when the people of God are worshiping. I want to challenge you to make church a priority in your life because God has called the church to preach the word of God. Of course, the fire fell. It consumed this thing. And at the word of the Lord, uh, afterwards, he was then strengthened and empowered. It's incredible. He tucks in his, his robe into his belt. He sends a chariot ahead, and then he runs and outruns the chariot. How many of you know you can do incredible things under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Elijah was a man just like us, and at the word of the Lord, he did great and awesome things. You can say to yourself, well, Pastor Greg, those are all spectacular, incredible things. What can I do? <laughs> What can I do? Like Elijah, you know, he, he, he's getting fed by birds. He's drying up brooks. He's praying and then it starts raining again. He, he, the fire of God falls. That sounds really spectacular. That's not my life. My life is very ordinary. I don't understand, but I want you to understand something, church. I, I, this struck me as I was preparing uh, this sermon and I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. The greatest demonstration of the kingdom of God in our culture is not miracles, it's obedience. That's heavy. That's weighty statement. The greatest demonstration of the kingdom of God today, church, is not miracles. It's a group of people that say, I will obey God. Even if the whole culture goes to the left and God goes to the right, I will follow God. That's our challenge today. You want to demonstrate the kingdom of God today? Obey God. Follow God. Wow. Here we are. Now, that may be heavy, but let's move on. 
Because Elijah was a man just like us, and then he took his lead by following the world's word. See, you got a church. you got a choice, church. You follow the word of God, or you follow the word of the world. That's really where we're at today. It, it's, there's no middle ground anymore. It's all being erased. And you, you're going to follow one word or another word. And, and we're seeing it. I'm seeing it all over as we travel. We're seeing, we're seeing people that are following the world or seeing people that are following God. What are you going to do? This is what Elijah did. He actually, this is interesting, but the first thing he did, he started to follow the word of the world. He turned from the word of God. Now this gives me hope. This is not a sad thing. This gives me hope. Because how many of you know I'm kind of like Elijah? Look what happens to him when he follows the word of the world. First of all, he lost faith. He said, I'm afraid. Look what it says. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat. The gods will get you for this, and I will get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far south of Judah. That's unbelievable. Elijah just was standing in front of 850 prophets of Baal, calls down the fire of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now this queen says, I'm going to kill you. And he runs. It's interesting, the Hebrew word for saw is a very interesting word. It means to advise self. It's the same word that Eve did when she saw that the apple was good for gaining wisdom. And she advised herself over God's advice and took the apple. Do you understand? This is what's happening. He's losing vision. He's losing sight. He's not hearing the word of the Lord. And because he stops hearing the word of the Lord, he gets afraid. He loses faith. Wow. You know, there are times when I've told my wife this and I'm I'm highly considering it, and I, I want you to know this is not an ostrich move, but I'm, I'm seriously considering just pulling away from all media for a season. Because I can, I can tell you, man, sometimes I'm reading Facebook posts, and it grips my heart with fear. Because you're like, economy's this, or, or, or this person, or Donald Trump does this, or, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau does this. And you're like, oh, oh. I stop looking at God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I stop looking at God and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it's easy to lose faith and to become afraid because I stop looking at God. And then he lost strength. Look what happens. He says, I'm exhausted. Again, First Kings, he came to the, the lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all just to die. He said, enough of this, God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the broom bush. You know, one of the things that happens, church, is when we, 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 we we're doing the word of God, we're doing the will of God, we're hearing the word, we're following the word, we're obeying the word, but we get distracted and we start being led by a word from the world. It's exhausting. You, you ever felt that way? You ever felt that way where you're like, I am, I'm too tired to keep going? Pastors, I'm going to give you a little thing. Mondays are not a good day to call your pastor. I'll tell you why. Because Sundays, 
after they've laid out the word of God, after they've done, this is, an, you know, it's highly an emotional thing for a pastor to preach. It's highly spiritual. It's, it's probably the most important thing that I do. I believe that. The most important thing I do is preach the word of God. And so on Mondays, I am just like, so if you phone me for counsel on Monday, it's not going to be good counsel. Because you can be tired or you're fine. So that's why my wife, I've said to my wife, on Mondays, I take Monday morning, and it, for me, it's just a time of Sabbath, a time to replenish, a time to focus, not on my next sermon, but just to focus on God. Because I don't get Sabbath on Sunday. Sunday's a work day for me. But you need to do the same thing. Are you following me? You need to find a way to reconnect with God because you're being depleted by being one who follows God, by obeying God. You're being depleted. So you need to re-energize. So he said, I lost faith. Then he lost strength. And then he lost perspective. Listen to what he says next. Then the word of the Lord came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? God speaking to him. I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They've destroyed your places of worship. They've murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. How many of you know when you get tired, you can lose perspective? (laughs) I'm the only one left. And like God's like, get up and eat. You see, he stopped hearing the word of God, church. And when you stop hearing the word of the Lord, I'm not just talking about coming on Sunday now. I'm talking about when you're spending time in the word, when you're spending time with God, when you're spending time in worship, those things recenter you into the right place that you need to be because the world is going to be trying to pull you down. That's what's happening right now. Aren't you glad that you're a man and a woman just like Elijah? (laughs) He lost faith. He lost strength. He lost perspective. What now? How do we who are like Elijah start to get ready to demonstrate the kingdom of God when this is true of us? We do great and awesome things for God and then the next breath we're ready to get God to kill us. How do we ensure that we are demonstrating the kingdom by following the right word? Here's the first thing. You need to retrain. You need to retrain yourself. You need to retrain yourself to hear the word of the Lord. This is what God does for him. Listen to what happens in 1 Kings 19. He said, go stand on the mountain at attention before God, and I will pass by. One of the little keys I'm going to tell you about the mountain is that in Jesus' life and throughout the Bible, the mountain represents going to a place to meet with God. In Jesus' life, it's a fascinating study how many times he climbed the mountain, which represent his prayer life. And you think, well, I'm not good at prayer. You know what prayer is, guys? Just show up. Shut off your media. Bible, I'm not good at reading about. Read one verse and sit there and wait for God to speak to you. He does. 
here's God, here God shows up. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountain and shattered the rocks before God. Cool. Ron, it gets better. Don't go anywhere. No, I'm kidding. Go, go. It's good. It's good. <laughs> a hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after a fire, a gentle whisper. The Bible says that Elijah pulls the cloak over his head and he goes out and he says, what is it, my Lord? How many of you know we're living in a culture right now, church? We're living in a culture that is like, I'm telling you, it's hurricane winds. Does anybody feel that way? It's hurricane winds, smash, bang, boom, everything's going wrong that can go wrong. Ah! That's the culture we're in right now. It's an ah moment. Everything's shifting. By the way, that's a scripture that talks about that. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken, but the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Yeah. So, so God's like, you know, I, I heard, my wife and I heard this great perspective. We're, I'm reading a book right now, and I'll tell you how it goes because it's really kind of freaking me out a little bit. It's called Post-Truth, the Post-Truth Culture. Post-Truth. We're not a post-Christian culture anymore. We're a post-Truth culture. And what he says is, is, you know, when you come up to a stoplight and, and all of a sudden you look up and the bus next to you is moving and you lose, all of a sudden you're shaking because you, you can't find your space. And then you have to fixate on something that's fixed. He said, our whole world right now is moving. And the only thing that you can do is fix your eyes on God in order to gain perspective again. Because I'm telling you, boom, crash, boom, the world's shaking right now. And where do you turn? <laughs> There's a fixed point of reference. His name is Jesus. He is the embodiment of truth. He's the living truth. And if I can fixate my eye on him, everything else can crumble and shake around me. Isn't that true? Earthquakes and fires. And listen to what it says in Hebrews 13:9. Be not carried away by various and strange doctrines. I'm telling you, the church right now, right now, if you don't anchor yourself and get your eyes on the word of the Lord, on the God of the word, there's things that are shaking and shifting and churches are moving in directions. You're going, are they taking a crazy pill? What are they doing? You cannot chase culture. You have to shape culture by standing on the word of God. 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I did a word study on that verse in Bible college, and, and literally what it means, it's a medical term, and, and, and what it's saying is they will literally disconnect from the body it means to like separate your shoulder. It means to pull so hard in a direction that you literally pop your shoulder out because you want to hear a certain thing and you want something to be true. God says, this is the truth. This is the way. Walk ye in it and you'll find life. But you're like, no, I want this. And God's like, that's a sign of the last days, church. 
It's a sign. You know, we're living in a time of excess license, even in the church. What are we going to do, church? What are we going to do? Marijuana is going to be legalized in a matter of months. I sat at a table in Calgary, my wife and I, and we were listening to these three, four, sorry, uh, psychiatrists talking. They were having this conversation about the effects that are about to hit Canada because of the marijuana legalization. And it was not a good conversation. What are we going to do? What, am I, what are youth pastors going to do now in our church when kids are sh- showing up stoned? That's the next stage. That's where we're heading as an evolution, as a culture. God help us. So we need to be those people that are starting to anchor ourselves. What is God saying? I'm not trying to preach a sermon on things you can't do or can do. You know, there's all kinds of gray areas. But I'm telling you, there's three things you always need to remember before you choose to do something that is not specifically written in the word of God. Number one, does it glorify God? Does it consider my brother and sister in Christ? And does it lead others to faith in Christ? If you can do those three things, then be free. That's a pretty good test list, isn't it? For the gray areas. You know, we have to start being more conscious, church family. You know, every once in a while, I have to do a sermon about drinking in the church. I think you're free if that's what you want to do. If that's what you want to do. But I'm going to tell you, when your excess license starts to lead others into drinking, then you're misbehaving as a Christian. So you know what happens in churches? We get legalistic. We say, well, no more drinking. Well, what does that create? A culture of legalism. I would rather create a culture of freedom that says, you know what? Why don't you prefer your brother and sister and lay that down so people don't stumble? Just saying. I I felt the Holy Spirit say something to me. The kingdoms of this world are shaking, and I believe God is speaking to some people here today. Um, He's trying to shake something out of your life, but you're hanging on to it. I'll leave that with you. Now, when I say those kind of words, you know, the first words I say are, God, is there something you're trying to shake on my life that I'm hanging on to? And then I listen. It's okay, because I want to demonstrate the kingdom of God, and the greatest way I demonstrate the kingdom of God is obedience. Isn't it great that Elijah is a man or woman just like us? Retrain yourself to hear the voice of God. In our discipleship school, I'll do the course again on hearing God's voice. It's so important that you learn to hear God's voice because God wants to speak to every one of you. Second thing is rest. Rest. You see, you hear the small, still whisper as you rest as you slow down enough to position yourself to hear. I put this quote on my Facebook post last week while I was on vacation. Let me read it to you. It is easy, in other words, to spend most of your life breaking Sabbath, which just means breaking having communion with God. 
and never figure out this is part of the reason your work is unsatisfying, your friendships are patchy, your leisure is threadbare, and your vacations exhausting. Dang, I added that. We simply haven't taken time. We've not been still long enough, often enough, to know ourselves, our friends, our family, our God. Uh, This is painful. Indeed, the worst hallucination busyness conjures is the conviction that I am God. All depends on me. How things will happen at the right time How will things happen at the right time if I'm not pushing and pulling and watching and worrying? That's a good word for our building committee. Amen? They know they're moving to the right and then they're moving to the left. And then they're dance, dance, dance in the river. Come on. Rest. Kronos is an interesting word. It means chronological time. And Kronos is an interesting thing. In the Greek culture, Kronos was a minor deity who devoured his children. And how many of you know when you are driven by the clock, driven by this constant need of managing your life that way without trusting God, how many of you know you can devour things in your life? But it's interesting, the the other word for time in the Bible is the word kairos. And that's time is a gift. Time is an opportunity. It's time that is pregnant with purpose. It's the kind of time that says there's a time for everything time. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to celebrate. There's a time to cry. There's a time to mourn. There's a time, there's a time for everything. But it's finding God in the midst of the time. I'm going to tell you something. God is not waiting on the other side of that time in your life. He's in that time in your life. And when you find that time, that's Kairos. Because God's present address is your current reality. Not the other side of it. When you're going through grief, when you're going through struggles, God's right there. Rest in him. Amen? Refuel, he tells the prophet. An angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He took the bread and bread into his surprise at, the, at his head was a loaf of bread baked and some hot coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. <laughs> the angel came back, shook him awake again and said, get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. You know, sometimes you just got to pull away and rest. When I can give you an encouragement on your vacations, people, actually rest. Rest in God. It's very important. It's what God wants you to do. Aren't you glad Elijah is a man just like you and me? And then lastly, he tells the prophet to re-engage. God said, go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When they get there, anoint Hazel, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu and make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha to succeed you as the prophet. Meanwhile, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls. You're not alone. The knees that have bowed to the God Baal, the mouths that have not kissed his image. So this is the word of the Lord to us, church. Go back to work. Encourage others to join you. You are not alone. Keep on keeping on. Stay faithful. Find the word of the Lord. 
Anchor to that reality because everything around you is shifting right now. The whole culture, everything's moving. You need to fixate on that point. I think that's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. See, God sees your tiredness. He sees your fears, your lack of faith, your loneliness. And God wants to retrain you, church, to hear him, to rest in him. He wants to refuel you and re-envision you to his kingdom so that you can re-engage this world. God's word wants to come to you. There's kings to confront, cultures to challenge, races to run. It's a good time to be alive. My wife and I went away on our trip to British Columbia and what was amazing was I ended up doing basically three memorial services and a wedding while I was gone. This is what I'm saying about being ready in season, out of season. Like not everybody could do that, but God just happened to position me in that place. So I'm doing the memorial service for my, my uncle and uh, then they, were, they buried his ashes and so they asked me to do the grade five service and I did that. And then they, they were actually doing the actual memorial and they said, can you help us write the eulogy? And I said, sure, I can help you write the eulogy. And I helped them write the eulogy. And then as my cousin is walking down toward the front of the memorial, crying, she leans over to me and says, you're doing the eulogy. Literally 18 seconds later, I get up and do the eulogy. But I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to say, look, I'm just saying, you know what, when you're present, I was with a family that none of them really had an anchoring point with God and their whole world had just shifted. And you know what was amazing was God's, you know, brought Betty and I into that moment of their world. These are my cousins. They're all very successful business people, but they have no God awareness. What a powerful privilege to be present in that moment. That's what God wants to do, church, in your life. And in my life, when we got home, you know, we, uh, we felt to go to the hospital um, and we were praying for Cliff. And just as we came in, Betty and I were so tired on Monday because we got home late Sunday night. And uh, we felt, no, we got to go see Cliff. And as we got there, Cliff was having some really massive struggles. And it was just interesting to be able to be kind of ushered in with like five doctors and nurses all standing around him, the crash, everything's there. And and I just was like praying right there. It was like God in Jesus' name. And, you know, these people are like, what is this guy doing? Get him out of here. But, you know, Cliff just, God just touched him. Things came down. I'm not saying because, I'm just saying I was present. Are you with me? We were present in that moment. But here's what's cool. We're walking out of the hospital. We're walking out of the hospital. We're dead tired, Betty and I. And, and I walk by this couple that's sitting on a bench and, and God says, you need to go and pray with them. I'm like, oh, seriously, God, I just want to get a Starbucks. I've got a gift card. But it was cool because we met Wendy and Dave. And Wendy and Dave, their 19-year-old son, second time has been admitted for cancer and they were there alone and they're Christians from a church up in northern Saskatchewan or northern Alberta and uh, you know it was so cool church just to be able to pray 
to pray hope for them in that moment, to give them our card and say, you know what, you can, you can contact us. Anything you need, we'll come visit you. If your son wants to see, can I just encourage you to pr- pray for him? Just pray for this young man. His name is, hang on, I wrote it down here. Ethan, thanks, Betty. Pray for Ethan. Pray for Ethan. He's confused right now. He's hurt. Obviously, he's 19, going through cancer battle. Can we pray for that family? Will we hold them up? Can we do that? This is what it means to be in the kingdom, church. What a life God has invited us into. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that Elijah is a man just like us. He gets tired. He loses faith. Lord, he loses perspective, but you can pull us back. And I just want to pray today, first and foremost, if you're here today, church family, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm one of the, I feel like Elijah, but not on the good side of Elijah, the bad side of Elijah. I feel tired. I feel like I'm losing perspective. I feel like I'm losing faith at times. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Yeah, lots of people. Yeah, lots and lots of hands going up. So Holy Spirit, you see every one of our hands. And we say, Lord, help us to reorient ourselves, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Lord, to anchor ourselves to the reality of the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. Help us, Lord, I pray. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I never realized my greatest demonstration of the kingdom of God is my obedience. And maybe God is placing his finger on something in your life that he's saying, I want you to lay this down. I want you to trust me with this thing, whatever it is. And if that's you here today and God's asking you to to grow in obedience in this area, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. Many hands. Jesus. My hand goes up as well, Lord. And I say, search me and know me, God. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting, Father. Because the greatest life I can live is the life with you. And I need you, Lord, desperately to help me to focus and fix my eyes on you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And lastly, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I've never... I've never invited Jesus into my life. I've never asked him to be my Lord and my Savior. But today something's happening in my heart. I feel strangely warmed or there's something happening that's calling me to make a commitment of my life to Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible's very clear that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this is a moment of confession. If you're here today and it's time for you to get things right with God, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you and say, Pastor, I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I need to ask him to come into my heart and my life. Maybe everybody here has already done that. But if there's anybody here, I'm telling you, 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If that is you, give me a wave so that I can pray with you. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you today for your word. Help us to go from this place to live like Elijah. For these are the days of Elijah. (laughs) Lord God, the days to demonstrate the kingdom by the power of your spirit. Help us just to live life obediently before you because God, that brings the greatest glory to heaven and the greatest witness of your goodness to this world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. The church said, amen and amen.